Welcome to the Med Device Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Fran Moriarty. Med Device Careers is building a community shaping the future of healthcare. Each episode, I'll sit down with leaders and innovators in the med device space to discuss their career path, explore their contributions, and share their advice. Join us today at meddevicecareers.com to grow your knowledge, network, and career. In today's episode, I speak with Uri Yaron, Worldwide President for Biosense Webster. Uri holds a PhD in physics and began his career with Biosense in 1997, where he spent significant time in product development, business development, and R&D, holding the position of Vice President of Worldwide R&D before assuming his role as Worldwide President. In our conversation, Uri and I speak about his initial entry point into the medical device space, why Israel is a hub for medtech, the culture of innovation at Biosense within the larger ecosystem of J&J, and becoming a subject matter expert early in one's career. Uri's experiences and advice can be taken and applied by a large audience, and Uri was eloquent and generous with his time. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Well, Uri, thanks so much for being here. I'm really excited to, to talk about you know, Biosense, your career. But I wanted to start, you know, I understand that you have a, a PhD in physics. And I'd be curious to hear you know, what your entry point was into the medical device space and maybe how your education and, and your background in physics informed that decision. So I was always attracted to kind of medical devices and kind of medical uh, uh, area. Uh, university, I kind of took a few biomedical engineering kind of courses. But frankly, I got into this field by pure coincidence. Uh, after I graduated with PhD in physics, I uh, took a postdoc position at Bell Laboratories where I worked for a Nobel Prize laureate. This is where I kind of realized that I'm an okay physicist, but not a very good one. And I kind of decided to kind of explore other options. I was introduced to Biosense. It was before Biosense was acquired by J&J, so it's before it was Biosense Web Search was Biosense. It was based in Israel. Uh, I was introduced to Shlomo, the founder, and by coincidence, someone mentioned his name, called him up. I went to see him. Five minutes into the conversation, he kind of asked, would you like him to come work for us? For me, it was a love of first sight. So I kind of got into this business by pure kind of coincidence. And I'm talking about how relevant is physics. Physics is very kind of general. So there's nothing like really like a physicist. You have a degree in physics, but it's not like you're a lawyer or a nurse. You don't learn to do something very specific. You have very good um, background in um, science, which is very helpful. And I got into this uh, field knowing nothing. I barely knew where the heart was. And it didn't take long, and then I kind of figured it out. I am a very curious person and kind of studied a lot myself. And interestingly enough, kind of the first interaction with doctors was in Maastricht in the Netherlands. And we have uh, developed a system called NOGA. Um, it's similar to CARDO. CARDO is for treatment of cardiac arrhythmias. NOGA is a system that's designed for diagnostics and treatment of ischemic heart disease. And I traveled to Maastricht to do the first cases and presented the technology to Professor Wellens, who together with Mark Josephson, who kind of was based in Boston, uh, both of them, by the way, passed away. They were both the godfathers of electrophysiology. And I came and explained the technology and uh, Professor Wellens kind of made a comment and I kind of said that I thought he was wrong. 
which by the way, in Europe, if you're a professor and you're the chief of cardiology, nobody ever tells you that they think that you're wrong. So I kind of said I thought that you were wrong and I saw the jaws of all the people around me kind of kind of falling like, are you telling Wellens that he's wrong? And he thought about it and said, you know what? You're probably right. So for me, by the way, it was an introduction to uh, the world of uh, medicine, especially in Europe where you do not uh, disagree with a professor, but also kind of got me the kind of the reputation of someone who's kind of willing to kind of speak up and to challenge and to understand and kind of have the right answers. Yeah. And since then, it was an amazing journey. I think that's really interesting. And I want to I revisit that notion as it relates to sort of your progression with Biosense. But I wanted to circle back and just ask you, what's your perspective on why Israel has become such a hub for healthcare, but medical device technological innovation in particular? Is it sort of emergent? I'd be curious to hear like what it is that you think is particularly unique about the ecosystem in yeah. Israel. So I think overall kind of Israel is considered a startup nation. There are a lot of kind of startups in a lot of uh, areas. Uh, there's a lot of books that have been written about it to kind of try to kind of figure out what's the secret sauce. First and foremost, in my mind, and there are a lot of contributors, was a large wave of uh, immigration from the former Soviet Union that brought the uh, people with very strong science background into Israel. There's the uh, geopolitical need being surrounded by so many enemies, kind of requiring the country to kind of be ahead and kind of develop technologies. Uh, but I think that foremost, the most important part is the uh, fact that they, it's a country with zero power distance. There's zero respect to authority. You don't just, people don't just take orders. Until today in my role, worldwide president, you tell people something they disagree with, they would tell you in your face that they disagree with you, they would debate with you, sometimes loud, not always polite. It's really about what is right and what is wrong. It's about the truth. And the fact that people uh, feel free to kind of speak up, I think is a key contributor to that. Yeah. Uh, specifically to medical devices, medical devices is a space where you can make a huge difference without huge investment and without huge infrastructure. So for example, if you look at pharma, for example, you don't, there are no large pharma companies in Israel. By the way, there are no large companies in Israel at all. It's a, a lot of it is small and mid-size. And there's not a single Israeli company that became a global uh, corporation. Unlike some countries in Europe, you go to Switzerland, which is smaller in size than Israel, smaller population. You go to many of the Scandinavian countries, you go to the Netherlands. These are countries that are roughly the size of Israel or smaller and many multiple global brands. There's not a single Israeli global brand. Specifically, as you get to medical devices, is a space where collaboration between engineers and doctors who understand the unmet need with rather minimal investment, a few million dollars, you can prototype an idea, you can be in first in men with relatively small investment. So this is something that really fits uh, what Israel is uh, good at and um, I think made Israel uh, that impactful. Overall in Israel today, there are roughly 1,500 life sciences companies, of which 60% are medical devices. I, just listening to you, I, I think there's something to be said about both sort of that asymmetry, right, between risk and reward on, in the, with the medical device space, and then that sort of, you know, you can call it anti-authority, or which I think allows you to take risks on the innovation side and leads to sort of outsized outcomes, right? So you joined Biosense in 1997. You've spent a considerable amount of your career there. What, what do you see the role of, of mentorship in, in your career progression and uh, company culture? I would imagine that 
you had ample uh, opportunities to maybe leave, and yet you stayed. And, and I'd be curious to hear, you know, what was it about the company? What was it about maybe uh, leadership or those people that you worked with? Yeah, Biosense uh, Webster is really, uh, it's a, really a story of magic. I think from the very beginning, uh, kind of, actually both founders on the Biosense side, it was uh, Shlomo Ben Chaim uh, in California. The Webster side, it was Will Webster. Both were individuals that were extremely well connected to uh, customers. Will Webster, uh, for example, kind of started this uh, EP business by publishing an ad in circulation and had kind of doctors reach out to him to prototype their ideas. One of them was Sonny Jackman, who was uh, one of the godfathers uh, of uh, ablation. And being kind of very close to customer, the intimate relationship with the customers uh, make, I think, the field very unique. And as it relates to Biosense Webster, so engraved in the culture. There's usually, we talked about Israel a bit earlier, there's, the market is extremely hot. Salaries are going up dramatically. Uh, people have a lot of options. We are paying fairly, but we're not the best payers. You can get a job and be paid more if you go outside. But people are so engaged uh, because the cause in medical devices, you develop a product, you see the return. You see the doctors using it. You see the patients that are benefiting from it. And the reward, there's nothing more rewarding. I'll kind of, maybe I'll share a kind, of, a kind of a couple of experiences. One of them is kind of visiting a hospital. We're attending a lot of procedure. We're spending a lot of time with the doctors in their labs to kind of see how they kind of work, uh, understand the unmet needs, and uh, be able to come up with solutions for their challenges. Coming out at the end of the procedure, the family is kind of waiting outside. By the way, our EP procedures are kind of relatively easy, relatively safe. But families, when they hear that they're going to go ablation procedure, it sounds scary. So the family's kind of waiting outside. The doctor goes out. The wife of the patient starts kind of asking in tears, how's her husband doing? The doctor says everything's fine. She's relieved. She starts crying. Her son is crying. Her daughter's crying. Everyone is kind of so relieved and kind of crying that everything went well. And they ask the doctor, how can we thank you? And the doctor's response is, you don't need to thank me. You need to thank the engineers that developed this technology that's going to help me treat your father or your husband. So I think that the, 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 fa the connection with the customers, the ability to connect the employees to the mission, really helping so many patients. At Biosense Webster, we're going to essentially touching with our products one million patients a year. Uh, we're kind of talking about a few thousand patients a day. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing more rewarding. I, I, I think, I mean, that's incredible. And I think it's something that I hear consistently across the space is the patient centricity of the industry and that all sort of commercial development, technological development is oriented towards that patient care. So you, you spent a lot of time as um, the VP of, of R&D at, at Biosense and as an organization, to your point, has grown significantly. So when you think about innovation, what kind of processes or, or what was your perspective on fostering and cultivating innovation? So first, we kind of consider uh, innovation to be the oxygen of our business. Um, while some companies are kind of spending a lot of time on uh, customer relationship, et cetera, we do that as well. So we do everything that you need to do, but the focus on innovation is kind of critical. We have an advanced R&D group that is the best in the industry, by far the best in Johnson & Johnson. In Johnson & Johnson, there's recognition for innovation J&J uh, kind of grants Johnson Medals. This uh, group in the last decade uh, won four Johnson Medals. 
including the head of our, our advanced R&D group uh, that personally won four medals. This is the largest number of medals in the history of Johnson & Johnson. So um, second would be a couple of individuals that won it three times. The vast majority of people that won such recognition is only once. So we can, uh, innovation is the key area, the key focus of our business. The time we spend as management team uh, reviewing projects, reviewing timelines, making sure that the team understand exactly what we expect them to kind of deliver, that the unmet need are kind of very, very clear. Uh, the portfolio reviews that we're kind of holding to kind of modify the direction. Uh, this is something that is probably the most uh, set of processes that are most important processes uh, for us. And to that extent, we're probably number one within Johnson & Johnson, and I think one of the leaders in overall in the industry. Mm -hmm. And then, so in your current role as worldwide president, how does your product and R&D experience inform your strategic outlook as president? And were there any early lessons learned, right? I'd imagine that there were things that translated into sort of like your new role and responsibility, but there, there may have been things you know, that were new. And I'd just be curious to hear what your experience has been like so far. So we're gonna, and actually in both roles, and in everything we do, it's kind of about innovation, whether it's in-house, whether it's external, whether it's technology that we develop in-house, whether we bring it from the outside. Strong partnership with uh, literally the best in the world in everything that we do. To that extent, there is no difference between uh, the roles. It's, uh, this is just uh, centered to our strategy. All the rest is kind of around it, but at the core of it, it's about the products, it's about innovation, it's about uh, being ahead of competition. Uh, this is kind of the center of uh, kind of everything uh, we do. Intimately understanding the customer unmet needs, making sure that we develop solutions that address their needs in an affordable way and recognizing that the global market kind of differs. There are some products that from the beginning we know are going to be, we're going to be focusing in the U.S. market and not in Europe. For example, we have a ultrasound catheter, intracardiac echo catheter business. We're focusing on the U.S. and Japan. Very limited uh, penetration in Europe because it's not afforded uh, in that market. So the intimate understanding of the unmet needs and understanding uh, different needs of the different markets is the kind of key to our success. Right. Maybe specifically to that, I'll add the, uh, that China is now an, emergingly, uh, an emerging market that kind of grows faster than any other market. We're very successful in China. And understanding that market, the dynamics in this market are also kind of critical for our success. I would imagine that being a global entity, there is a lot of nuance in you know, how you are launching products or doing business in, in the various markets, right? Even in Europe itself, right? There's a, a variety of different business models and, and cultures. You know, I'm interested to hear a little bit about your philosophy on leadership as it relates to, it could be team building or how you think about developing personnel within Biosense. Are there certain like mental models that, that you employ as it relates to leadership or, or sort of like an overarching philosophy? Yeah, so overall kind of, and this is kind of more broader J&J kind of approach to kind of leadership. We have this model that we call leadership imperative, kind of, and we're kind of looking at kind of four dimensions, and this is the way we uh, focus on developing talent and evaluating talent. 
So kind of the, the four elements are connect. There's the ability to uh, connect with people you work with, to connect with customers. Then there's a shape strategically, kind of shaping the market. Leading is kind of around kind of management of uh, teams, team building, development of the team, making sure that the organization uh, is up to the level that is required. And finally, delivering. So this is the uh, connect, shape, lead, deliver. This is the way we're kind of looking at talent, looking at uh, developing the organization and developing uh, internal talent. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, I think to be able to sort of codify a philosophy like that and then be able to implement it at scale is, you know, when you think about how do you build a stellar organization, right? It's finding, retaining, and developing talent, right? Um, so I think that that's really important. So one, one question I do like to ask um, is, you know, if there is anything that you're currently reading or if there's a book that you've read that's had a particularly profound effect on you, if it could be personally or it could be professionally. I'm actually now kind of reading kind of Eric Topol's kind of series of books on uh, deep learning and artificial intelligence. Yeah. Uh, this is an area we're now making some first steps uh, kind of into this uh, area with uh, big data. We understand that the opportunity is substantial. Uh, we're not 100% sure of the business model. So I'm kind of now educating myself kind of in this uh, area. And uh, Eric Topol's books are kind of very easy to read uh, with a lot of examples uh, that I think are kind of very relevant for our business. Yeah. So this is kind of an area that I'm kind of reading a few of his uh, books kinda, and kind of educating myself. Overall, this is an area that I think that in the future uh, will become part of overall kind of digital health, uh, I believe will be much more uh, relevant than today. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, that, again, it's something that uh, I think is pretty consistent that I hear for those who are in positions of leadership or who are sort of assuming additional roles of responsibility as they progress through their career, being a, a, a sort of a perennial learner, right? And, and constantly understanding that there's, there's more to learn and uh, being sort of intellectually curious, I think is a real hallmark of somebody who's process oriented, right? right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, totally agree. So uh, finally, I would just ask, you know, if, if there's any advice that you might give somebody who's interested in entering the medical device space or is looking to progress their career, sort of already working within it, it could be something that you're drawing from from your own experience or something that you've you know, sort of learned as you've progressed? My recommendation would be uh, trying to be a subject matter expert in what you do. Uh, and I know that uh, the audience of this uh, podcast, at least some of them are going to be people that are going to be clinical support specialists at some stage of their career. Uh, get to understand the disease state, understand what you're doing. Recognizing that the young generation sometimes kind of wants to kind of progress their career very, very quickly. I think that strong foundations are kind of very important. Make sure that you have strong foundations, that you really understand what you're doing. Specifically in electrophysiology, know more than just mapping, understand DCG, be curious, ask questions, don't be shy. The stronger the foundations are gonna be, uh, the taller and the more successful your career could be. So spend time uh, solidifying the base, and this will carry, we see people in leadership position starting uh, I started from R&D, uh, but we uh, see people that with a clinical background that get very, very far. Vast majority of the leadership at the Biosense Webster, the sales leadership, including the most senior roles, are people that start as clinical support specialists. They understand the disease state, they understand the products, they understand the value that they generate, 
And they're so successful selling, not because uh, they have too sophisticated selling techniques, but because they really understand the products, they really believe in the products. So my recommendation is just make sure you have a solid base. Take time to kind of learn. Don't rush your career uh, too fast early on. Strong basis will uh, get you uh, as far as you want. I think that's excellent advice. So Uri, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and I think you know, listeners are gonna have a lot to digest and to sort of implement in their own career. So thanks again. Great, yeah, thank you very much. I really thanks. enjoyed it. If you enjoy hearing conversations like this one, please subscribe to the Med Device Careers podcast, leave a review, and recommend to a friend to help spread the word. Are you searching for a new career, looking to hire the next med device star, want to grow your network, or are simply looking for a reliable source of med device news and insights? Med Device Careers is creating a platform for professional development and opportunity, cultivating growth through engaging content and conversations, and connecting med device professionals across the globe. Go to meddevicecareers.com and create a profile today. You can also follow Med Device Careers on all social platforms, and I can also be found on Twitter at PasteBeat or on LinkedIn, where I'll share what I'm reading and learning as I continue to grow my own career. Thanks again.